Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Hope everybody's having a good day so far. Happy Thursday to you, because we're recording this show on a Thursday. We're live right now, and I hope everyone is having a good day so far. Uh, on this edition, we're going to be talking about the Saints and the number two wide receiver position. Um, this comes from um, a lot of uh, trade talks um, about certain wide receivers, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and surprisingly, even Debo Samuels, uh, guys that are not too particularly happy uh, in their positions right now and could be looking for a trade and the organizations could end up trading them. Um, <clears throat> now, this is by no means uh, how I feel uh it's going to happen i mean all three of these guys that if you look at on a marquee the guys that i just mentioned the metcalfs the tyler lockers and the debo samuels are extremely extremely important uh to their football uh franchises but you know i mean as we've seen uh this all season nothing is set in stone i mean i would never have thought that uh tyreek uh, hill would end up leaving the chiefs going to the Dolphins. Um, I wouldn't think that Deshaun Watson would be the quarterback of the Browns, and I wouldn't think Matt Ryan would be the starting quarterback of the Colts, but that's just the way things go. And, of course, we know for quite some time the New Orleans Saints have needed a number two wide receiver. Now, we have seen a plug-and-place type mentality when it comes to the black and gold, right? Uh, you get a guy one year, you know, put him in that position, and, you know, maybe the money is not the, the right – they're not speaking the same language when it comes to contracts the next year, and then somebody else comes in. Uh, but looking at these three guys, if they were to become a member of the New Orleans Saints, it would be huge. Okay, guys like DK Metcalf, a big physical receiver, has the speed, uh, has the ball skills, uh, has the agility uh, to be a solid uh, number two receiver. He's not a guy who I consider to be a number one receiver. I mean, only time can tell. I mean, he's still young in his NFL career. And then you have Tyler Lockett, a guy who had just been consistent over the course of time. All he does is just catch passes and run Chris routes. Um, a guy that I have been a huge fan of. He's, he's not one of those guys that's a household name. He's a guy who just goes out there, uh, does his thing. And he's one of those individuals. If you're a fan of the organization, you know what he brings to the table. And of course, Debo Samuels. I mean, Debo Samuels was the is all in a be all on the offense of the San Francisco 49ers during that magical playoff run they had by knocking off the Cowboys, knocking off the Packers, and became and came this close to knocking off the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. But all three of these guys could fit in the New Orleans Saints system. Do I think that any one of these guys could be uh, you know, on the trade block and, and, and have eyes on them when it comes to the Saints? Absolutely. Uh, the one guy I think – would be Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, the guy that kind of fits that mode. I, I think that he would be a good complimentary receiver for Michael Thomas. Like I feel like a guy with like DK Metcalf and Debo Samuels, those guys are still young, right? And they have not even gotten their second contract, okay? Debo Samuels, uh, to me, deserves to be one of the highest paid wide receivers in football. You look at what this dude brings to the table. I mean, they line this dude up as a running back. They line him up in the backfield. They line him up on the jet sweep. They line him up on the outside, the inside. Anywhere that you put Debo Samuels, he goes to work. 
And this guy's looking for about $25 million minimum, which I feel like he deserves more than that. If you look at what he does, this dude is a jack of all trades. This dude is the San Francisco 49ers Taysom Hill. That, that's who he is, right? You line him up anywhere on the field and he's going to get the job done. So I feel like $25 million at minimum is pretty reasonable for all the things that he does. I just feel like that's way too much. That's way too much scratch for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, DK Metcalf, still a young guy, physical guy. I feel like he is going to get paid a lot of money, you know, when his working contract is up. Also, you know, a guy like Tyler Lockett, who's been in the league quite some time, has gotten his money. Uh, I feel like he'll be reasonably priced. And also he'll be able to fit in really, really well with the New Orleans Saints uh, are doing. So if I would look at all three of the guys, I would say Tyler Lockett would be the best fit. Now, do I think that this is going to happen? Probably not. Okay. As we, as we get closer uh, to the NFL draft, we know that teams start to focus in on what they feel like some of these young uh, college players can come into the organization and bring to the table. I don't think teams are too much concerned with trying to bring in veterans at this particular time because you don't want to negotiate a contract, uh, you know, before the NFL draft because you might find yourself getting a guy uh, for a certain amount of money where you probably can get yourself a guy that's in college that give you that same type of production. So I don't think any type of trades or any trade talks in regards to any one of these guys, uh, you know, if the Saints were considering what happened before the draft. Uh, I still feel like the Saints think that they have a good, solid wide receiver crew. And I think that they feel like they can draft a guy that can be uh, a complimentary number two for uh, Michael Thomas. And, and on top of that, you get yourself a young, hungry wide receiver and you don't have to worry about paying them for another three to four years versus getting a seasoned veteran who you're probably going to have to pay league minimum more money than, you know, you would probably have to uh, have to pay a young guy. So if I was looking at these three guys and you couldn't find the guy that you're looking for in the draft, I would say go after Tyler Lockett. I think he would be a good fit, but I think the Saints are going to wait to the NFL draft and they're going to address that number two wide receiver uh, position. I hope they do. Okay, I'm going to say I hope because we all know, and we said this on, on numerous occasions, the Saints always do the complete opposite of what we think they should do, right? Right, I mean, it's always that way. It's always it's always that way. Right? We think they're going to get a cornerback, they get offensive linemen. We think they're going to get offensive linemen, they get a defensive end. We think they're going to get a receiver, they end up getting something completely different. So the Saints definitely uh, march to the beat of their own drum. Uh, hopefully they will finally address this wide receiver position. You have two uh, opportunities to do so in the first round, even in the second round and the later rounds. So we'll see, you know, but all three of these guys would be uh, great additions to the New Orleans Saints, but Tyler Lockett would be the guy that I would feel would be the best fit based on um, salary and based on, like, his uh, his skill set. But let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Thank you all so much for uh, being a part of the show. Uh, we got um, a few people out here talking about the Pelicans. Um, you know, congratulations to them. Uh, they advanced in the play-in. Uh, they play tomorrow uh, against the Clippers. Um, there was a great game by... C.J. McCullough, who scored 32 points. I mean, Brandon Ingram. I mean, they, they had some guys that really came in, uh, really stepped up. 
And, uh, you know, you can tell these guys really love playing for the team. Uh, C.J. McCollum, he really embraced playing for the city of New Orleans. I think that he's embraced it because this is one of the first times in C.J.'s career where he is the guy. You know, he is the – right as of right now, I know people talk about Zion, but C.J. McCollum, to me, has really stepped up as that leader and almost like the face of the Pelican franchise, even though you have Brandon Ingram. But he's come in. He, he's a – He's a guy that's been a multi-time all-star. He has won some games, you know, playing for the Portland Trailblazers. But he came in and, uh, you know, he, he embraced it. You know, he wasn't one of those guys that were just mad that he got traded to the Pelicans. He's like, okay, I'm going to the Pelicans. Now this is my opportunity to show people that I can be that leader. And that's one thing that I think a lot of Pelican fans love about C.J. McCollum is the fact that, you know, he he's a guy that has embraced the city of New Orleans. And one thing we all know, if you're from the city of New Orleans, you embrace New Orleans, New Orleans will embrace you. If you show love to New Orleans, they will show love to you. No matter if you were here for a few minutes, rather you spend your entire career here, you know, like that's just the way New Orleans work. If you show that you don't have any respect for New Orleans, New Orleans isn't going to show any respect for you, no matter how great you are. You know, you, we see that with uh, Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis, you know, didn't think New Orleans felt like it was just a waste of his time. And New Orleans has no love loss when he left town. And I don't think a lot of New Orleans Pelicans fans even care that he's been injured over the last couple of years and have absolutely no sympathy for him. So, I mean, it's just the way that it works, man. You know, you show love, they'll show love back. And C.J. McCollum came in showing love and New Orleans is showing that love back. And, it, and it's also showing on a basketball court. So congratulations to them. I'm looking forward to seeing if they can get the job done against the Clippers. They've been dealing with some injuries, uh, you know, as of late. So hopefully, you know, they can go in there and get the job done. They can repeat uh, what they did uh, yesterday versus the San Antonio Spurs. Yo, yo, TJ, how are you and your family and who that doing today? Enjoyed the last video on should the Saints draft the quarterback. Hit the like button to show support. Yeah, I agree. You know, thank you, man. I, I appreciate you checking out the videos and everybody uh, that check out the videos and um, make sure you put that uh, that that thumbs up in the air. You know, make sure you show love to the State of the Saints podcast that way. You know, I really enjoy doing this podcast. I really enjoy bringing you all content and uh, we just want to get that content out there. So, you know, if you can just go ahead and hit that thumbs up, hit that like button if you enjoy the content. Uh, I don't see the Saints trading for neither of them because that would cause Michael Thomas to be disgruntled once the contract uh, gets bigger than his. Look, man, I, I don't, who cares? Like, seriously, I, I don't care. You know, it, it's about winning at the end of the day. You know, nobody, man, nobody, nobody cares about feelings in the world of professional football. I mean, we're looking at this transpire right now with the Cleveland Browns. You had a first overall pick in Baker Mayfield. They decided to go out there and throw – all the money they can at Deshaun Watson and just throw Baker to the wayside. You know, I mean, this, this is a business. Look, it, you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. You just got to go out there and you got to perform. And honestly, tragic, this can happen both ways. This can happen if they draft a wide receiver. I mean, we've seen this with Brandon Cooks, right? Brandon Cooks was the first round pick of the New Orleans Saints coming out of Oregon State. He was the guy supposed to be the number one guy. The following year, they draft Michael Thomas, and Michael Thomas, the Saints felt like he had more upside and made Brandon Cook tradable, right? 
I mean, that's just the way that it goes sometimes. Look, this is a business. If you can get guys that can be better, if you can get guys that can make your team better, you go out there and get them, regardless to how a player may feel about it. Look, man, this ain't a, this ain't a, a popularity contest, right? This ain't, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. In a world of business, you got to make tough decisions. And sometimes those decisions may affect individuals, but you have to make that decision for the betterment of the organization. So Michael Thomas, who, you know, I have a lot of respect for, if he gets disgruntled that somebody else is coming in and getting some catches and out there making some plays, well, I don't, I wouldn't want Michael Thomas on my team because iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. So if I'm out there balling out, this person out there balling out, then guess what? The offense is going to be really, really explosive. But if I'm looking at this other person, and I'm not looking at what I'm bringing to the table, then it's going to be a problem. I know Michael Thomas is a competitive guy. So if somebody else comes in and they're making plays, guess what? He's going to step his game up as well because that's just the way that he's wired. If you have a guy and somebody else comes in and they they run this thing, whining and boohooing about catches and all that kind of stuff there, I don't want him on my team because, you know, what are you doing in order to let the ball come to you? I mean, I, I'm just I'm just wondering. So that that that's the type of energy I don't want on my team. Uh, Shouts out to everyone in the chat. Uh, Barbara says, uh, "Good morning, uh, everyone, especially you, Jerry." Barbara giving a shout out to Jerry. Uh, who that, ladies and gentlemen? Shouts out to you, Troy. Uh, let me scroll down just a little bit, folks. Uh, Jerry says, "If you ain't rolling with Jameis Winston and New Orleans Saints, you're nothing." Usually is. That's always kind of his comment. <laughs> Rather, he's on a live show or he in the chat, like after the show. But shouts out to Jerry, man. Uh, Mighty Mouse says, do you think Loomis is going to try to move up in the draft for a quarterback? I think it's not a good idea with having a healthy Jameis. Uh, we should uh, build around him. I don't think that would be a good idea either. You know, I, I look, but here's the thing. Um, if they felt like, the quarterback of the future, the next face of the franchise is in the top 10, then by all means do it. I know we we don't want to hear that, but if they – okay, let me let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. If they feel, okay, that the, the, the next face of the franchise, top 10 quarterback is in this draft, then they should do it, right? You know what I'm saying? This, this is in my opinion, all right? I feel the same way you do, Mighty Mouse. I think they need to build around Jameis Winston. I think the the I think that the reputation that Jameis Winston has gotten for not being a really good quarterback is just straight asinine. I see people out there putting up these stupid stats on uh, social media. A lot of that I feel like these people are just doing that for nefarious reasons. You know, untalented podcasters, sports people who just cling on the shock value in order for them to try to elevate themselves. He knows who I'm talking about. But anyway, um, yeah, man, look, Jameis Winston is a really good, is a really good uh, quarterback. He is. You know what I'm saying? I think that organizations matter, schemes matter, coaching matter. I, I don't understand how people don't understand this. A guy is not going to get off the bus and just become an all-world quarterback. It takes time. It takes time. It takes an organization to build around this dude. 
like people try to cling on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and talk about what he did in Tampa, but Tampa was not a good franchise. They're not. They have not been a good franchise, and they have not did everything they can possibly do how they're doing with Tom Brady with Jameis Winston. I, I don't care where anybody, you can put as much stats you want to up, you can put as much analytics up as you want to, but when it all comes down to it, you have to give a guy – you got to give guys uh, ways to succeed. And also, if a guy has a certain skill set, you should want to build around that skill set, not bringing in your own offense and be like, okay, you're going to run this. If a guy struggles in, in medium passing situations, why the majority of the passes that you call in are medium pass situations? You build on that guy's strengths, and then as he starts to progress, then you start to add a little bit more uh, to his arsenal but a lot of these teams they come in with these arrogant coaches and these arrogant coaches feel like oh they hired me because i know what i'm talking about you get where you need to be because you are going to listen to me the best thing that sean payton has done throughout his entire career rather this quarterback running back wide receiver he takes what a guy does best and he utilizes that and he utilizes that, and then he starts to add on to what a guy is actually, you know what I'm saying, trying to do, right? So if a guy is good, if he's fast, right, he probably put him on the outside for a street route or a nine route if, what have you. But then, you know, he can start to, like, add to it. Well, okay, man, I'm going to probably put you on a jet sweep. Okay, man, I'm going to try to, you know what I'm saying, like throw you, you know, this little quick uh, 10 and in. He starts to add to it, but he first utilizes a guy's strengths. That's where a lot of these coaches go wrong. They go up, come in with their own philosophy, and it's like, you do this or it's just not going to work out. You build on what a player does best, and I feel like that's where Tampa went wrong. The thing about with Jameis, and I feel like it can help him in New Orleans, is the Saints utilize what Jameis does best. That's that, that's what it was, and they then they're going to build on maybe some of the things that he needs uh you know, to to build on. If you do that, then a player is going to be successful. You put a, a team around him, you put a good offensive line around him, you put a good running game around him, and you utilize his strengths and build on that. But as far as, like, getting another quarterback is concerned, you know, as, as far as that, like, if, if you feel like you can find something better in the draft, then by all means do it. By all means do it. If, if you – if you feel like I can get myself a wide receiver, get myself offensive lineman, and we can do this, and we can be a playoff potential Super Bowl team with Jameis, then that's what you do. You don't do you don't you don't do that kind of stuff if you know. You, you don't build on. How should I put this? If you got a player with some talent, don't try to you know what I'm saying like don't don't try to make this a lose situation for him, right? I mean, I would lose all respect for Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis if they try to sabotage this dude. Like, put players around him. Like, if you put the, the offensive line, you put the wide receivers, you put the running back around him and he still don't succeed, then you, then, then what, what can we say, right? But if you put the pieces around him and he succeeds, then I think you have your quarterback for the future. But don't, don't be like, oh, man, he's not our quarterback for the future, so – we just going to try to go in this direction and we just going to try to salvage it. Nah, man, put this dude in a position to succeed. 
So if he does, the whole world can see this guy succeeding. Don't set this man up for failure by going out there, you know what I'm saying, just doing other things and not focusing on building a team around this dude. At least give him a chance to do that. Because the first couple games before he got hurt, he was doing it with some guys that as the the year went on, we realized that they weren't about that life. So if you put players around him and you put offensive scheme around him, who knows, man? The sky's the limit for the New Orleans Saints and Jameis. I have no idea how DA is going to draft. We all could predict how Sean Payton was going to, but this is uh, the great unknown, which is a good thing. You know, sometimes like it's good to not know what the heck is going on sometimes. It's, it's good to kind of be surprised by the situation, but looking at Dennis Allen, it, it seems to me like, you know, you're not going to see this, this ultra aggressive type coach as Sean Payton was, you know, I just think that he's he's a completely different guy, which I have, I can respect. You know, I'm not expecting a coach to be like Sean Payton. I mean, there's only one Sean Payton. So as long as what he's trying to bring to the table generates success, I, I don't you know I don't have no problem with that. Uh, I hate those type of people. <laughs> Facts, and I'm a Bucks fan. TJ, the host, good morning. What's going on? Uh, I had a person argue with me. Traquan Smith is better than Callaway. Uh, I mean, in blocking, not as a not as a pass catcher. None of these quarterbacks is worth uh, talking about in the first round this year. Also, thanks to previous draft errors, the Saints have no choice to draft wide receivers in the no line with two first uh, round picks this year. Look, Larry, I don't know. I don't know what these quarterbacks can end up doing. I don't pay attention to these uh, aficionados and these guys that are supposed to know everything, you know what I'm saying, like the gurus, if you will. You know, like I don't pay attention to those guys, man. You don't know what a guy brings to the table. You don't know what type of heart they have. We won't know if this is a down year for quarterbacks until like four or five years from now. Then we can look back and be like, man, this was a down year. But we're just basing this on, you know, you know how some of these scouts actually feel. I don't know, man. When these guys take the field, it, it's 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 different, man. Like you can say one thing about a guy, but when he puts on that that helmet, you know, say he put on that helmet and them shoulder pads, he might just be a whole different beast. He might develop in ways that you didn't think he was going to develop. We don't know, so I'm not going to say that. I mean, we can say, oh man, this can be a down year, but then might turn around and be eating our words. So I'm going to wait before I say this is a down year for a quarterback because these guys could end up being pretty good. But as far as like a wide receiver, absolutely. I do feel like they need a wide receiver, and I do think they need an offensive lineman. I think that's the direction that you need to go in. But if your guy's not there, like if, if you have your board and you're drafting, uh, you know, based on, you know, what your board entails and – the offensive lineman that you have isn't there anymore. Go with the next best thing. And it might make us frustrated. Like, man, why in the world did we draft this guy? But you got to go with what's on your board. So I do feel like a wide receiver. Look, you you got the 16 in the 19 pick. You ain't about to tell me that you can't find a, a really good receiver. You know, if, if you if if let's just say, for example, if you had a lobby as your number one and he's gone. Right. But you had Garrett Wilson as your number two and Garrett Wilson is still there. You get Garrett Wilson. Right. 
or if Wilson and Olave are going and Williams is your third, you get Williams. So, look, it would be hard for me as a fan um, and as a uh, spectator of this team and look at the wide receivers that are available and you decide to get no wide receiver in the first round. That would be completely asinine. If I mean, if if your 16 and 19 pick are still there and you decide not to trade up for somebody. With Sean Payton not here, who controlled Jameis' erratic throws and knows when to start uh, to run the football when he uh, starts uh, those throws? Well, that would be Pete Carmichael. That would be Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael would be the guy that does that. And look, man, Pete Carmichael is, is more uh, than qualified to do this. Like, I understand how... Some people may feel um, Pete Carmichael has been with the New Orleans Saints for years. He has been the offensive coordinator, but we all know who be calling the plays. But when opportunity has presented itself for Pete Carmichael, he has really done a really good job. I mean, the Saints had one of the best high powered offenses when Pete Carmichael was, uh, you know, calling the plays. And also, I feel like Pete Carmichael put more emphasis on the run than, than Sean Payton does. I mean, if you go back and look at some of the games, P. Carmichael actually called. I mean, there was more emphasis on the run than Sean Payton actually did. So I'm more I, I have belief that uh P. Carmichael can actually do this. And then on top of that, it's not like how it was with Arians. Arians uh play calling is is that of arrogance, right? I'm gonna continue to throw the football until you know it, it works. You know, I feel like the Saints will have a more of a balanced attack that could help out Jameis Winston. And also to be able to create opportunities for him to make plays. I, I feel like what Tampa went wrong, by the end of the first quarter, you probably had about 15 passing plays and probably two running plays. I mean, how many times have we seen this, even when Tom Brady was the quarterback? There was one game, I want to say, man, what they didn't, they only had like only a hand, like about three or four rushing plays. Like it was ridiculous, man. How you go a whole game? Without running a football like that, it, it was it was bad business, man. It was bad business. Arians was a air it out type of old. He still is. The only difference is, you know, Tom Brady. The only difference was Tom Brady. Tom Brady had enough skins on the wall for him to, you know, you know, wipe something out. Like if 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 Bruce calls something, he's like, I don't like that. Well, I mean, how you gonna argue with a guy who won seven championships? It's hard to do that, right? Hard to argue with a guy who wins seven Super Bowls. Like it's it's hard to do that, folks. So why in the world, you know, would you you know want to argue with a guy like that? He's way more qualified, and nobody is ever going to like think about this. If 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 Bruce Arians calls a running play, right, and Tom Brady goes into the huddle with his uh guys, and he's like, okay, man, we gonna we gonna throw the football. Who gonna argue with him? Be like, man, well, Bruce said run the ball. Nah, man, we're gonna be like, man, we're gonna throw this football. That's just the way that it worked. But if Jameis do something like that, man, Jameis might be on the first thing smoking because he's not qualified and they don't feel like he has enough skins on the wall. Uh, that's just, just the way it works. Why did Cooks uh resign with the Texans, but he gave us a hard time? Uh, he has a better quarterback here than the Texans at this point. I don't know about that, man. Uh, Davis Mills is a really good quarterback. He has the capabilities and a lot of promise, okay? Um, he played really well down the stretch, and I don't think that Texans fans are as concerned about losing Deshaun Watson 
as they would if Davis Mills wasn't there. Davis Mills is is qualified to be a starting quarterback, and I think that Brandon Cooks understood that. I think Brandon Cooks wouldn't have signed with the Texans if he didn't believe in Davis Mills. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Would you? I like Davis Mills. Um, I think that with the right coaching, um, he's a smart guy. I mean, went to Stanford for God's sakes. And, uh, you know, some of the plays that he made, I have to say, man, I mean, you have to be very confident as a Texans fan that this dude can lead your team to the playoffs. Get a get a running game, uh, you know, get get better on, on defense. I mean, losing a leader like J.J. Watt and, you know, some of these other guys, they were building their defense. They're still young. But you, you put an offense around this dude and also a defense that can get him the ball back. I feel like Davis Mills can be a formidable quarterback. So I want – and then on top of that, I mean, you're the number one guy, right? So if you go anywhere else, are you going to be the number one guy? If you was to come back to the Saints, would you be the number one guy? Nope. Uh, if you was to go to the Rams, would you be the number one guy? Nope. What about the Dolphins? Nope. You know, even in your same division, you know, uh, the Titans, would you be the number one guy? No. This is a spot where he can be the number one guy, you know, and he can get more than the majority of the catches. You're not going to get that anywhere else, you know. So, and why would you want to pack up your whole, you know, your life and you know what I'm saying your family life and move somewhere else where you can be a number two versus getting the extension and being that number one guy and even if they do get a wide receiver in the first round or in the later rounds there's there's has a lot of promise it's still going to take that guy some time to develop you already got a head start because you have a relationship with davis mills so who you think davis mills is going to be looking for on third and four you know what I'm saying? With the game on the line and the chips on the table. Going to be looking for Brandon Cooks. Not going to be looking for some rookie who he's trying to develop a relationship with versus a guy he already has one with. I feel like that was a good business decision by Brandon Cooks. Anywhere else, you would have been a number two. Now, am I wrong? Jameis had three different offensive coordinators in five years while in Tampa. He was set up for failure there. Already read that. Tampa replayed Jameis was arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, of course, the GOAT. Uh, and somehow that's a knock on Jameis. On top of that, the Bucs upgraded the offensive line, added Gronk, Antonio Brown, and Fournette. But of course, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say that because the narrative would be, why did they go after Tom Brady? Well, we looked at a, a team, and I'm not comparing them, but I have to. Baker Mayfield was a first overall pick, and Baker is not that terrible. I don't care, like how I many. Look, you're not going to, you're not going to see what a quarterback is and how their career is going to turn out after three years of starting. Three years of starting, you're just not. So I just, that's how that, like that's how football works, and that's the most frustrating thing about football to me is the fact that we just completely jump into conclusions over the first two or three years of a guy's career. Football does not give guys opportunities at positions like quarterback and offensive line to develop. After one or two years, if it don't pan out, if a guy ain't looking middle of the pack, 3,500, 4,000 yards, oh, man, it's time to go in a different direction. The media is going to pounce on that dude, regardless if the dude like had bad coaching, regardless if the dude had bad or came, uh, came to a bad organization. It really does not matter. They're going to find ways to try to demean and, and, and beat down that guy. They're not going to look at the organization. 
They're not going to look at the coaching. They're not going to look at the team. They ain't going to look at the scheme, none of that stuff. All they're going to do is look at the player. And I think that's what happened when it came to Jameis, right? Oh, man, they went out here and got another quarterback. Well, that quarterback, like you just said, was arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And you're not going to squander the greatest quarterback of all time by not putting a team around him, by not putting players around him in order for him to succeed. He's not going to come to your team. He's not going to continue to be with your team if he signs with you. And, of course, after 20 years of playing in the NFL and winning all those championships, who's going to say no to Tom Brady? It's easy to say no to Jameis, right? We Jameis can make it work. You, you're not going to say no to arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. You're trying to find ways to accommodate him because you want him to be comfortable and you want him to stay there as long as he possibly can. P. Carmichael's still there. He's the uh, quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, I think Ronald Curry is the uh, quarterback coach. Ronald Curry, uh, former uh, Oakland Raider quarterback and uh, University of North Carolina starting quarterback. And he also played for the basketball team for a short period of time. Arian was an air it out type of coach, causing all those interceptions. Peyton was balanced coach, so he worked with his strengths. Um, I never thought I heard hear Sean Payton and balanced coach in the same <laughs> in the same sentence. But look, I think that people's argument and they try to you know they they try to say, well, uh, you know, Jameis only threw the ball like twenty times and. You know, he was on pace to, you know, have this particular stats. He wouldn't be able to keep up, keep up that, you know, that level that he was on for 14 touchdowns, two picks, and this, that, and the third. Look, all, all I know is if you have a coach that understands a player, I mean, that's, that's you know, that that's great. You know, like Sean understood that bringing a balanced attack will help James, right? I, I, I really don't understand this, right? The biggest argument that people had was this dude throwing a whole bunch of interceptions. So let me let me ask you this, all right? If you're, if you're playing basketball and you can make all the shots, right? But if you get behind the three-point line, you're missing. Why in the world, if I'm playing, you know, a game with you and I'm the point guard, why would I be trying to distribute a ball to you if you, you know what I'm saying, on a three-point line? When I know nine times out of 10, you're going to miss. Right, because you're not a good three-point shooter. My question is, if Jameis Winston threw a lot of interceptions, why would I continue to give him the ball, to throw the ball, to give him more opportunities to turn the ball over? I am going to make it, so I'm going to minimize the amount of op opportunities and attempts, and you know what I'm saying? I'm going to put something around him in order for our offense to be efficient, period. So it's like people... People was criticizing this dude because he was throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game because, number one, uh, the team was always playing from behind. So you had to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game in order for you to be in it. And even when you were winning, you were throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. So this, all, all my offensive and, and, and football people out there, answer this question for me. If you got a lead, what are you going to try to do? You're going to try to run a football, right? We're going to try to run a football to run out the clock in order for the game to be over. Mm -mm. They didn't do that in Tampa. Regardless if they were winning or losing, they were throwing a football 35, 40 times a game. So if you're throwing a ball 35, 40 times a game, there's 30 to 40 times uh, you know, opportunities for the defense to try to get interceptions. 
So why would Sean Payton try to give Jameis Winston 35, 40 passes a game? Why? Why? Why, why would he do that if, you know, if, if he was having issues with turnovers? That's what I didn't understand with people. Like, well, he, he turned the ball over. Well, he's not turning the ball over because you minimized the amount of attempts that he had, which is a good thing. But it's like people, people were willing to die on a hill that this dude is not a good quarterback. So it's like, okay, he's not throwing interceptions because he's not throwing a football. Well, yes, he is. He's not throwing the football as much because he doesn't have to. Why would you want to run the football? I mean, throw the football when you have Alvin Kamara running between the tackles, averaging five yards a clip, right? Why, why would you want to do that? That makes absolutely no sense. If you have arguably one of the best running backs in the game, why wouldn't you want to utilize him? If you have one of the best offensive lines in football, why wouldn't you want to allow those guys to run block for arguably the best running back in football? I mean, it doesn't make much sense. And then on top of that, if you look at statistically, Jameis Winston is one of the best play action quarterbacks in all of football. So if you get the running game going, right, you have to have that, that, that defense is going to kind of get down in the box in order for them to, you know, try to stop Elvin Kamara, which sets up the play action, which it equals to explosive plays down the field with Deontay Harris and Callaway and, and Schmidt and now Michael Thomas. So why wouldn't you want to do that? So if you're coaching the right way, and that, that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, understanding a guy's strengths. He's one of the best play-action quarterbacks in football, so why not utilize the running game in order to keep the defense guessing or, you know what I'm saying, to keep them, you know, and, and have them respecting the running game in order for you to set up the play-action to throw the ball downfield. I mean, come on, man. Somebody help me out with that. You know, if like I said, if you're a great, if you're a great, uh, you know, shooter, you know, from 20 feet, or that, you know, 20, but 25 feet, you know what I'm saying, 30 feet out for threes, you bet, you know what I'm saying, you hitting the rim and throwing them over the rim. Why, why would I want to set you up with a three-point shot? You know, go for what you know. I remember when Arians took over for uh, after Morrow was fired for not replacing Carl Smith as offensive coordinator for the Saints. Um, what running back uh, you would try to get in the draft in the third or fourth round? I don't know, man. I would have to think about that one. I, I'm probably going to do a, a a show, you know, focusing on like some of the draft picks that I would get. I normally do it uh, the week of the draft. That's probably when I'm going to do it. Ten of Jameis' 30 interceptions came in the last three games. When he played with a broken thumb on his throwing hand and both Godwin and Evans were on IR, he's still out. Uh, he put up uh, 300 yards a game instead of being on IR. Look, man, I'm not here to justify anybody throwing 30 interceptions. I'm not. We can talk about how this throw and that throw. Look, he threw 30 interceptions, but look, this isn't – I don't feel like that, you know, that equals terrible quarterback play. I just think that in this world of social media – and, and and shock value and hot takes and, and clout chase um people always got something to say you know if you and I, I think that the voices are a little bit louder because you do have social media but when you look at some of the court the great quarterbacks that that played the game like the brad forbes right like the peyton manis like these guys threw it you know close to 30 interceptions but nobody sit up there and said these guys were terrible quarterbacks nobody say that and then on top of that 
Peyton Manning, he threw him his rookie year, right? He threw him like he threw him his first year. Can you imagine? Think, think about this. If Peyton Manning was playing in this social media age right now, and he threw what he threw 27 interceptions his first season, if I'm not mistaken. Imagine the backlash this dude would have got. Imagine the scrutiny this dude would have been under. In this world, got people want instant gratification. If you're not coming out the gate throwing four touchdowns, one pick per game, or four touchdowns, no picks, four thousand yards, setting the league by you know taking the league by storm, they will do not give you an opportunity, and they won't. And most of the people that 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 follow on Insta, uh, on social media sheep. I mean, I'm just being honest. Anything you tell them, they feel like it's true. You know, they take it and they'll they'll run with it. They'll tell their friends. They'll tell the people at the barbershop. They will basically say whatever the media people say verbatim, right? That, I mean, and, and the thing about it is these, these pundits know that and they get off on it. They get off on knowing that they can control the masses by going out there and making opinion pieces sound like it's actual facts when it's not. And that's that's the that's the world that we run with. So if you keep on hearing 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, he a turnover machine. He he, he ain't never going to be a starting quarterback. Then all of a sudden, well, you know, they they right. I mean, you put a couple of numbers up there and you know, you yell and scream and be all, you know what I'm saying, animated, people start buying whatever the hell you selling. And you have some suckers out here who feel like that's how they're going to be able to get on. You know, I mean, no disrespect to people. I mean, it's their platform. But I say this again. I have no respect for people who basically just build their podcast and build their their brand on sh- on hot takes. You know, and then, you know, like it, it just it just does not make sense to me at all. You know, and then, you know, what I'm saying like I, I, I can't I can't roll with that. I can't roll with that, man. I feel like you should give people opportunities in order for them to build themselves up, even if they start off a little rough. Even if they start off a little rough, man, it does not tell the whole story about a guy. Like, I understand people talking about Adam Troutman, for example. Adam Troutman has not played really good his first two years, but the dude only been in the league for two years. I'm not going to say, oh, this dude is going to be a terrible tight end for the rest of his career. We don't know. Guys develop. Some guys develop fast. Some guys develop at a moderate pace. And some people, you know what I'm saying, like do it at a, at a slower pace. But the thing about it is we feel as fans is we don't have time to watch guys develop. Me, man, I, I'm willing to give guys opportunities. And I feel like you should too. Like, I, And I get it. You know, I, I get it, right? The, you know, the turnovers and stuff like that. But look, the dude is a good quarterback. And I don't care what anybody says. TJ, let's uh, just draft a wide out too many good wide receivers in the draft. I walk with you the long way. I appreciate that, Philip. Yeah, man, I think we should. I think we should get a wide receiver. That's, that's no doubt about that. I always feel like you should build through the draft. You should build through the draft. You should build through the draft because you don't have to worry about exhausting your spending. That I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Everywhere Arians has been, the interceptions increase. Yep. Paid Manning, right? Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Carson Palmer, uh, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady, we would have like what, what most had like m- more interceptions 
in a Bruce Arians offense than he ever had in New England. Like that, that says something. But it's the way that he calls the offense, throwing the ball all over the place, not not really leaning on a running game. So yeah, I do agree with that. I can do everything your favorite quarterback can do, Jameis Winston. Yeah, I mean, I think he can. And I always say, you know, I always have, I'm always going to have respect for Jameis because, man, just, just the way that people come at this dude and him to have that type of, him to have that type of confidence in himself is, man, it's amazing. Don't give this man uh, no injury excuse. Look, I ain't, I ain't giving, I ain't giving no injury excuses. Okay, I mean, I mean, injuries happen, injuries occur, but I mean, I don't think that his injuries and you know him throwing those third interceptions are an indication of him being a bad quarterback. Facts, TJ, just go uh, for what you know. Michael Jordan said that's why he don't take threes. He said it takes away from his game and what he really good at now. Look at him. Uh, Jameis' game is play action. You go for what makes the quarterback the best. Look, I mean, people want style points, right? People want style points, and they want their quarterback to be able to do everything so they can be able to defend him in his honor at your local barbershops, you know what I'm saying, at your local grocery stores, you know what I'm saying, talking with your friends. That, that's what they want, like – that's why I don't understand. Like people want, people want perfection, right? That's all they want. They want perfection. They want their quarterback to be able to throw sixty yards on the rope, back shoulder throws. You know what I'm saying? All these different things, right? So when they go and talk about, well, my quarterback can do this, that, and the third. They don't like when people say, well, all your quarterback is good at is play action. Well, all your quarterback good at is those short intermediate routes. Well, all your quarterback do is throw the ball 10 yards. He can't throw the ball over anybody's head. Can you imagine, like, think about this. I mean, I think about this in 2022, and I was on it too. How stupid we were when we were just going at Drew Brees and talking about Drew Brees can't throw the ball past 20 yards. But he was he was completing the ball at like 71% of his passes. So he was throwing the ball, so 29% of his passes were incomplete. 71% of his passes he completed. And we were sitting up here talking about we need another quarterback because he can't throw the ball over 20 yards. I mean, that, like when you think about it, it does not make sense. When you have a wide receiver like, well, your wide receiver, he can he can run a streak route. He can run a deep post. He can run a, you know what I'm saying, an out route. He can run a 10 and in, right? But if Michael Thomas was eating in a, in, on a, in a slant game, you know what I'm saying, like, and people are like, well, your wide receiver ain't that good because all he do is run slants, but he catching a football. Just think about that because the whole point of playing a game of football at the quarterback position is throwing the ball for your wide receiver, running back, tight end, or whatever position you throw you throw the football to catch it. And a wide receiver job is for you to get separation from the, your defender and catch the football. But we fall in love with style points because – Society has shown us and tell us that the more uh, a wide receiver quarterback have in their arsenal, the more important they are. I mean, that that's where our biggest argument, that's where our biggest that that's what what that's where our biggest concerns come from. It's about how much 
a, a wide receiver, a quarterback have to offer. But when you think about it, it don't make sense. It's like it's like when people get mad at Floyd Mayweather, right? But at Floyd Mayweather, he don't do nothing but move around and he don't throw no punches and and all that kind of stuff. And you think about it, like he like I'm not the biggest Mayweather fan. I mean, I think he's the greatest boxer of all time, best defensive fighter of all time. But the whole point of it is for you to hit somebody and don't get hit. But when we think about like what football is, what boxing is, and what <laughs> what it entails, you know, if, if we actually just followed the rules, I guess you feel like it would be boring. You know, we want to see Michael Thomas run a nine route down the field and catch a pass over a cornerback. I mean, but his job is all the, is the quarterback to throw the ball and him to catch it. Tragic, thank you very much for 999. Says quarterbacks like Gannon, Steve Young, et cetera, and today's microwave results driven lead would have not have gotten the time they had in the past to become great. Give Jameis the weapons and he'll be top 10 quarterback in 2022. Yeah, once again, tragic because nobody has time. Nobody has time to watch a guy, right? I mean, I got I gotta sell, I gotta get these likes, I gotta get these follows, I gotta get these views. I mean. You know, these sponsors, they want me to, you know, they want people to watch what I'm doing and listen to what I'm doing. It's all about money at the end of the day, folks. It's about money and and attention. People are not going to give it to you. You know, like people don't like a slow burn. They don't like it no more. You know, but you think about it, man, the slowest burn sometimes you end up being the best food. Think about this. Anybody ever smoke some ribs, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> and smoke them things for hours? And how tender them things was and how good they be after you get them off that grill, out that smoker. You know, like, come on, man. It takes time. Like, everybody's not going to get off the bus and just be awesome. It's going to take some time. And I do agree with you. But once again, back in the days, you only had a few media people that you actually trust. Right. And those guys gave you gave those guys the opportunity to be great. But now any random person can come over here and talk about how this player is terrible. Who the hell is this guy? Who is he Who is he to say this dude is terrible? You know what I mean? But that's just the way that the world works now. You know, nobody has time to watch guys develop. And I don't have a problem with people, you know, who have these type of takes. I just, I just can't stand those people that do these things for nefarious reasons. Like, if you feel like this dude is not good, I mean, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, but you have people out here that just do things for the simple fact that they see how it works for Skip Bayless or how it works for Stephen A. Smith. So they try to take on that type of persona, you know, but, ah, man, people can see a phony a mile away. I know I can. I know I can see a phony a mile away. That's why a lot of people, man, I don't, I don't, I don't rock with them. I'm serious, man. I, I like organic people. Like if, I've seen people who had these type of opinions and views and it'd be their genuine self. And, you know, I, I rock with them, but you have some people out there, they just, they phony, fake, lame, you know what I'm saying? Thin skin, pathetic, you know, and they'll do anything in order for get some type of adulation. And it's it just sad, man. Just sad to watch. You know, it's it just sad to watch, man. 
I like Michigan State running back. His last name, Bennett. I hope they pick him up in the second round. I have to check him out, man. I have to check him out. I wouldn't be mad if we double up on wide receiver in the first round. I don't know if that's going to happen. Man, you need you need other positions. Stephen Paquette says, it's a microwave uh, society. Most people want to see it in year one. Exactly. Jameis has uh, the gift of grace. If we get that big Georgia D lineman, <laughs> that tackle from Northern Iowa and Bama wide out, who they? And we get all that. We'll be straight. I don't know if you're going to be able to get Jordan Davis, uh, Pennis, and and Jamison Williams all in the nah, – that ain't happening, man. You ain't, ain't going to get Pennant in the, uh, <laughs> all three of those guys. Good luck if you do. Uh, offensive tackle class after Pennant is so up and down and inconsistent, may need to go tackle in the first. I think they might. I think that's what they might end up doing. TJ, we, uh, we call when fans talk like that, shucking and jiving. We don't got time for that. Well, I don't know, man. I just, I just see, I, I just see people how they operate, and I'm like, there has to be, there has to be a time where you just agree with the majority. You know, like I think people when they, when something makes sense, and it's like two plus two is four. Scientifically, no matter how you slice it, cut it, divide it, two plus two is always gonna be four. But you have people out here that's adamant on just because the majority say two plus two is four, I got to go out here and I got to prove that it's not. And when I see people operating like that, man, I'm like, that's so lame, man. Like everybody, everybody can't go against the grain. Like, you know, like it's okay to agree sometimes. It's okay to be a part of the masses sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's just because. You know, it, it seemed like, you know, if you be an outlaw or uh, a rogue, go rogue, it works. But it, it's just not genuine, man. I, I like genuine things. And when people are not being genuine, I can't roll with it. Uh, when you trade for a second round pick, uh, one of the first round pick for a top 10 uh, pick to uh, draft the offensive line. Would I, would I trade my second round pick, uh, one for a first round pick for a top 10 pick to um probably yeah i mean what are you what your your second round pick this year i don't think that's gonna happen you have to give up something else too not gonna just like i'm gonna give you my second round pick uh and you give me your top 10 now you got to come up with something like that teams aren't trying to get out of the the, the first 10 rounds those those picks are are like gold you know like so you're gonna really have to give up something I mean, look what the Saints had to give up in order for them to get that, you know, 16, 19 pick from the Eagles. So imagine being in the top 10 and what the Saints would have had to give up. I'm driving family. Sorry if I'm not interacting. Bring your wife to the hospital. Please pray for us. Hey, man, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Your family, uh, chemo, definitely in my prayers, man. I hope everything turns out okay uh, for, for your wife. It does make sense if you can't air the ball out down the field because it can make you one-dimensional and the defense knows it. Well, the Saints won uh, one-dimensional for years, and they still win in 13 games. It's a, ma- it's, it's a matter of how you do it. It's a matter of how you, you know, how you wire it. Like Drew Brees understood his limitations. He knew it. and uh, But he still made the best out of those situations, and so did the Saints. They, they got players that can be able to kind of, you know, 
play to the strengths of Drew. So, I mean, look at you look at the Titans, right? I mean, you look at Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is clearly a play action quarterback, right? But what they do is they use Derrick Henry. They pound the ball with him 25, 30 times. Defense get tired of like tackling him, but you still have to compensate for him. Next thing you know, ball going on behind AJ Brown. I mean, it depends on how you how the team uh, puts it together. It may be boring, but it, it generates results. You know, I mean, people used to get on a San Antonio Spurs when Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili, and Tim Duncan were there, right? It wasn't like Lob City, you know, what I'm saying with DeAndre Jordan. And with the Clippers and stuff like that, when they were just throwing the ball and, you know what I'm saying, alley-oops everywhere, right? It was fundamental basketball. It put you to sleep, but guess what? Pop was still winning games, right? So, no, it's not the most it's not the most sexiest thing to watch, but it generates results. And sometimes, you know, we we get away, we get away from that sometimes. Like, we, we like, you know what I'm saying, to see the exotic stuff, but – you know, we don't really pay attention to fundamentals because fundamentals aren't exciting, but they still work. Marcus Callaway would develop faster, especially with his route running. As soon as Mike T gets back into his all-pro form, Callaway could potentially become a, a second or third receiver on our team after the draft. Uh, Lasso, look, I agree that he has talent. He has a good skill set. And being that number one receiver and getting those uh, number one corner uh, matchups week after week last year probably would pay dividends for him, but I still think he's like a, a, a third wide receiver. I think that you need to try to find yourself a number two, a solid guy that's in the draft, a guy that you can actually build your team around in the wide receiver position, a guy that can compliment Michael Thomas. And uh, I think that you'll find that in the draft. Um, Marcus Galloway, I feel like there's a play for him on the team. Um, I still think that, you know, you need to compete for that job because I, I still feel like some of these younger guys uh, leave a lot to be desired. And I feel like they kind of wired funny. I, I need to be, see a little bit more aggression out of these young wide receivers. But you get yourself somebody that can compliment Michael Thomas in the draft or, you know, maybe, you know, if you trade for a guy like a Tyler Lockett or something like that later on down the line. Do you see D.A. drafting more defense in the draft? If they need him, but he, I think he understands that he needs uh, to put emphasis on the offense. I mean, he was there last year. He knew what uh, the New Orleans Saints offense was looking like. And regardless if you're a defensive-minded coach or not, look, you got to be able to put the best players in place in order for your team to succeed. And right now, the offense is anemic, right? You know what I'm saying? You need to get yourself somebody that's going to be able to uh, make this offense better if you want to keep your job. Now, if you don't want to keep your job and you want to just draft defensive players all day because that's your bread and butter, okay, but your offense is still going to struggle. And I don't want to see that. Shout out from Germany. Uh, love your show, man. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate that, Cajun, man. Thank you so much. Listening all the way in Germany. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Uh, if you like the show, you like the content, go ahead and hit that, uh, hit that like button. I really appreciate that. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we're talking about the Saints should uh, trade for number two. Uh, we talked about that earlier in the show. Uh, the only person I feel like would be a good fit would be Tyler Lockett. You look at guys like Debo Samuel, they, they're going to demand a lot of money. DK Metcalf, 
Uh, you probably can have him, you know, a year, but you're still going to have to pay him. So I'd rather just get a young guy that's in the draft. Guy like Tyler Lockett, I feel like would be a good fit. You probably can afford him. And, um, you know, he'll be a good complimentary. And then if you decide to, like, move on uh, from him, like, you know, a couple of years from now, that will be around a time where you actually had your young rookie wide receiver step up into his role. But whatever the Saints do, you know, I just hope that they actually get more production out the wide receiver position. Uh, Michael Thomas coming back, I think that would be a plus. I think he's still going to be, you know, on the top level. But you need somebody that's going to be able to uh, make some plays too. And that's something that's been missing from the Saints. No way Saints trade for any of these receivers. Not about compensation, more about the contract. Why pay these guys 30 per uh, when you can pay a rookie one mil? And that's that was my whole point, Lewis. You know, uh, that was my whole point. Like, we look at a guy like Debo Saves. Like, he said minimum 25 million. Guy like DK Metcalf, young. Like I said, Tyler Lockett falls into a different category because he's like in his early 30s. Uh, you probably be end up, you know, being able to afford him down the line. But why would you want to go out here and get a guy that's, you know, that's going to demand that type of money when you can get yourself a young guy? You know, I, I mean, Tyler Lockett to me would be the only, you know, exception. You know, he would be the only exception because he falls into like that, that Robert Woods type category, right? You can be like a, get a, you know, trade a fourth round or fifth round pick for him or something like that. So he falls into that category. But those other guys like Metcalf and, oh, man, you're going to have to end up paying them dudes a lot of money because they're so young. And then Debo Samuels, to me, you know, you can argue and say he's one of the best, you know, receivers in football, you know, and best one of the best overall football players. And just what he brings to the table outside of being a receiver, $25 million minimum. I mean, that's that's being generous to me. That's being generous. I think uh, D.A. going to focus more on the offensive players, primarily uh, primary responsibility versus Peyton, who seem to favor secondary trades, wide receivers that can block and running backs that can uh, pass block quarterbacks that can uh, play specialty. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, Sean Payton always was looking for little pet projects to me. And he always liked these six-foot, six, six-foot-seven defensive linemen with long wingspan. Like, that's just his thing. Long wingspan did uh defensive ends um you know man just people that nobody really cared that much about and couldn't do nothing with like are you think a guy like Traquan Smith stays on the Saints team because he a good blocker on the outside not that he a, a good wide receiver he have he can bring something to the table catching the ball but if we, we uh call a stretch play or a toss play he can be able to block on the outside like that that's a that's a good thing to do but I don't pay you that type of money in order for you to be a top blocker. I pay you that money in order for you to catch the ball. And um, I, I don't know, man. Hopefully we can get away from those things. Hopefully we can get away from not not, not drafting the obvious. Like, it's okay if everybody know what you're going to draft. Who cares, right? I won't leave them guessing. I won't leave them guessing on if I'm going to go for it on fourth down. I'm going to leave them guessing, wondering if it's going to be Drew or a Taysom or Jameis throwing the football. I'm going to leave them guessing, wondering if I, I'm going to draft myself what they say I'm going to draft. This dude, like, this dude went out here for an interview talking to Sean Payton on a golf course. Told everybody, man, cornerback is the primary position. This is what we're looking for. So we like, oh, yeah, man, we about to draft ourselves a cornerback, right? Then all of a sudden we get Peyton Turner. 
Where the hell that come from? Like, what? what, what like, nobody was even checking. Like, think about this, man. I didn't talk. I didn't had nine hundred and three episodes of this show. This is nine hundred third episode. Probably out of nine hundred three episodes, and Peyton Turner's a rookie. If we're just talking about him just coming in the league, I probably talked about this dude maybe three times. Like some of us even like we even forget this dude on the team. Like, is anybody like seriously? Have you seen a podcast or anybody that that talks about the New Orleans Saints talking about? What Peyton Turner going to do this year? We talk about Tano Passanio. We talk about Cam Jordan. We talk about Davenport. We talk about Ayamada. Has anybody, like for real, broke down what Peyton Turner was going to do? Is this going to be a, a promising year for Peyton Turner? No. It's like, I, I just didn't understand like the, the whole angle. I understood like, okay, Cam Jordan getting up there in the age. But I didn't understand why they drafted a guy when you needed a cornerback more than you needed a defensive end. The Saints still were able to get pressure on a quarterback in spite Peyton Turner being injured for the majority of the year. And luckily, Paulson Adebo fell into their lap. So nobody, nobody is checking for Peyton Turner at all. And no disrespect to him, I hope that he has a good season, but it's just people just forget that he's on the team. But that's just the way that Sean Payton operates. So hopefully we can get into and get to guys coming in, coming from Ohio State, coming from LSU, coming from places. We've seen these guys play on a high level, and we like, okay, man, this, this dude is good, man. Now we can go ahead and, and do something. Not pulling out Wikipedia, not going to YouTube, and hopefully somebody has some college scout highlights put up. I mean, it's just it's just weird to me, man, like how they just they operate like you can say on one hand, like the scout team does a really good job looking at these guys over here. But at the same time, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Who the heck is he? I watch a lot of college football, folks. I watch a lot of football. But half of the dudes that be drafting. I mean, I ain't know. I ain't even know Davenport, to be honest with you. I didn't know Davenport. I mean, who watching UTSA games? I mean, not me. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, TJ, what are your thoughts on Quan Baker and Esau Winston? Uh, honestly, I don't have any thoughts on Quan Baker and Esau Winston. Number one, like Peyton Turner, I forget they on the team. Esau, not so much because he's more of a, a kick and punt return. There's a place for him. If you want to like try to add more to Deontay Hardy's uh, plate, you probably can have e Esau Winston you know, returning kicks or something like that. Quan Baker, I say give him a chance, man. You know, give him some opportunities to make the team, uh, you know, during preseason, see what he does during training camp. Uh, he was supposed to be like that uh, that Debo Samuel type player, you know, a good guy you can line up in the slot that can do some damage. So hopefully uh, he gets that opportunity, uh, you know, being in a slot. I mean, it can, he, he, has, he has an opportunity to make the team. To me, there is no – wide receiver on this team that includes Traquan Schmidt that I feel like is a guarantee to make the team for the exception of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas Harris for his special teams ability, not so much about his wide receiver ability. I mean, he's, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but 
you'll be lying to yourself if you say you can't find a receiver that can do what Deontay Hardy could do from a wide receiver standpoint, not so much from special teams. The Saints should go into this with this entire, you know, training camp all season being wide open at the wide receiver position. Michael Thomas, to me, the only one should have set in stone. And if you draft a, a rookie wide receiver, besides that, everybody else needs to go out there and compete. I would love to see what Quan Baker can do. I would. But I want to see some of these guys, you know, I want to see some of these guys make some plays, man. David says, I was very surprised by the uh, Turner pick, as was everyone. But I was equally surprised to find that Turner was injury prone. Hopefully, we can stop drafting guys made out of class. I mean, Davenport had uh, injury issues. Peyton Turner had injury issues. And I just think that the Saints, uh, you know, they feel like, when well, we get them up here with our strength and conditioning coaches, maybe we can get them back on the right path. But look, who, man, they need to I, – look, I have no problem with them drafting guys that come from schools that – a lot of people aren't really drafting from, but for God's sakes, if a, a guy is talented, you've seen this guy play, he's still available, and is at a position that you need. Why? Who cares what school he came from? If he can go out there and make an immediate impact on your team, too many projects going on, man, too many developmental projects. Like the, the Saints, I feel like sometimes they like a developmental system. Man, if this guy develops year two, year three, he can be a monster. Like – Come on, man. Sometimes you just need that guy to be able to make an impact right now. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm going to take a few more and then we're going to get up out of here. Traquan about to shine. Uh, Traquan, the only way Traquan going to shine is if he's standing in the sun, my friend. Uh, Saints always looking for small school gems in the early rounds instead of drafting a known player from a big school. That's what I'm saying. Like, ain't nothing wrong with that. If a guy good, he good. No matter what school he came from. Don't care where he came from. If if he making plays on a big stage, that's less time that you have to worry about a guy uh, being you know being concerned about the bright lights. Sometimes when those guys play on those big stages, when it's time for prime time television, these guys gonna step up because they're used to being in the spotlight. I don't understand why the Saints just continue to go for these small names, small guys, and then around year two. I mean, about year three, year four, then the light come on, and then it's time for you to pay them. And now they're getting all that prime production is getting sent off to Cincinnati, right? Or it's getting, yeah, it's getting sent off to Cincinnati somewhere. Because you spent the first three, four years trying to develop this guy, like a Trey Hendrickson, right? Round three, year three, year four, that's when Trey Hendrickson started to be a beast. And now about year five, he get a big-time contract with Cincinnati, and now he's uh, trying to pass rush in the Super Bowl. Like, how about getting guys that can, that can give you really good production to start with, and then around year four, year five, if if they're that guy, then you give them another contract. But, man, by by the time year four, three, year four come around, it's time for a guy for a new get a new contract. And now he's going to get a great production somewhere else. So all that building up that you've done, another team is going to be the recipient of that, that, that player's great play. It just doesn't make sense to me. Y'all help me, y'all help me make sense of that because it does not make sense to me. TJ, we all know what position the Saints need to concentrate on, but then out of left field, we draft a Division Three defensive lineman 
in other position we don't need project players. Yeah, man, that's what I don't understand. The Bucks starting wide receiver making Mike Evans 16.5, got one 20. I don't see the Saints looking to pay number twos anywhere close to that or trading for a guy on a rookie deal uh, look to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I say it, you know. But here's the thing. Around the time, it's, it's time for that rookie wide receiver to get paid. Michael Thomas probably be at the end of his contract, and then you can make that decision. If you want to keep Michael Thomas or you want to send him somewhere else or you can trade him to get some trade value. I mean, it, it, it sucks that that's the way the NFL works, but that's just how it is. But I'm, I'm just tired of these, these projects, man. I'm serious. I, I like to see guys be beasts off the bus, not guys developing. Who that TJ, Kevin White, and Traquan Smith season? Man, please. I don't even think neither one of those guys make the team. Well, Traquan will, but uh, Kevin White, please. Mike Dettier mentioned a scout said you can just draft SEC and you will pan out over time than drafting unknowns looking for traits. Tell the Saints that. <laughs> Tell the Saints that. Uh, they trying to find a Khalil Mack. Well, they've been unsuccessful. I mean, Davenport has the promise, but he just has to stay on the field. But who that nation, my final thought is this. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, uh, they have a decision to make, but I think that this draft, they can find themselves a number two. There's a lot of really qualified uh, young wide receivers that can come in and make immediate impact. Now, as long as the Saints, uh, you know, don't go outside the box like they normally did, I think they'll find something. But I don't think that this is one of those drafts where you need to go out here and try to find yourself a project. Um, a lot of these guys are pretty much open book. Uh, a lot of these guys that uh, that that the Saints can draft have played on a big stage, have played in big moments, and I think that they can bring that type of big playability to the Big Easy. But it's just a matter of the Saints going to do that. Uh, looking at some of these receivers out here, these guys are talented, but I don't think that it's necessary for the Saints to go out here to try to pull a trigger on a veteran wide receiver. But I would love to hear from you. What do you all think about uh, the wide receiver situation? Do you think the Saints can find their number two in the draft? Maybe look at a guy uh, like a DK Metcalf or Debo Samuels or you know, Tyler Lockett or what have you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, make sure that you hit that like button if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, also, previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. Uh, this has been the State of the Saints podcast. Subscribe to the channel, YouTube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. And also check out the State of the Saints podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. And, of course, the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints. That's all one word, State of Saints. You will save 20% off of your purchase. Also, uh, some new State of the Saints podcast T-shirts are going to be available really soon. So uh, if you want to support the show, if you could purchase a State of the Saints podcast T-shirt, it'll be available to you uh, in the next couple of weeks. Thank you all so much. Have a good morning, noon, night, whenever you're checking out this podcast. And like always, all I got to say is, who that?